morning. I'm Pastor Corey. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Legacy United Methodist Church. And I love music. Now, I watch these people up here with very talented play instruments, and I cannot play an instrument. What I can play is the play button on any CD player, cassette player, not that, any, not, not that all of you know what that is, or a record player, um, I, can, I, can play, I can play that. What I love about music, I remember the first time that I dug into my dad's record collection. I snuck down and I saw them down there and he didn't know I was going to do this. And I went through and I grabbed this, out, this record. I put on the record player and to this day, when I hear the song, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds, it reminds me of my first foray in, into music. And music has a way of staying with us, of drawing up emotion, creating images in our minds and staying with us. Uh, I'm going to share with you a few songs just to give you an idea. There's a song that came out some years ago. It was tied to a movie. And every time I hear this song, I turn it off or I change the station. I've only heard the song all the way through once, and it was hard. So every time I hear it now, I turn it off. That's about all I can do, right there. <laughs> it was during a time when my mom had cancer, and I was helping her uh, through the process of dying. And everyone told me, you got to listen to this song, you got to listen to this song. And I said, no, I don't. I don't have to. I know there are songs in your life that you've heard that, um, that you turn off because they evoke that emotion. Now, there are songs also, it's not just sadness or grief, but there are songs that maybe you hear that bring up back a good memory or cause you to have goosebumps. There is a song like this for me. That every time I hear it, I am moved. I am swept away by the melody. I am swept away by the words. And you might be surprised what it is. All right. That song, The Wind Cries Mary, is a song to, for me. If you know anything about Jimmy, who knows what it's about. But for me, <laughs> for me, it is a song of lament of someone who has passed on. And people start to forget who they are, but the wind carries Mary's name, continues to echo her name. And to me, it's such a moving song. None of you are going to see Jimmy the same anymore. You're going to go home and go, I heard Jimi Hendrix in church today. Good for you. It's Legacy, by the way, Legacy.com. Uh, so, uh, but these songs, they move us. And each of you have your own playlist of, of songs that move you. Unfortunately, for some of you, that's country music, but that's okay. So it, it's not just music from any season that, that moves us. There's a season that, that really does speak out, and that, that is Christmas. There are certain Christmas songs in your life and in my life that really speak out for what Christmas is and what Christmas does. Uh, for some of you, you walk into Target three weeks before Thanksgiving, and they're playing Christmas music, and the first reaction is to cringe, like, already? Christmas music already? But as we get closer and closer to the season, 
these things evoke emotion and feeling. Like this song. Now when I hear, who is that? Now when I hear Nat King Cole start to sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, my mind immediately goes back to Christmas as a child. Of going to church in a very uncomfortable, itchy sweater. And, and standing there next to all these hundreds of adults who are belting out the song, Hark the Herald, whoever he is, some angel named Harold sings, he harks about something. I remember this because it's the first step in my childhood Christmas. The next step, of course, is coming home and eating food that, that my mom spent all day preparing, but wasn't, it was okay, you know, and so we had to go through that and then wash the dishes, and then once the dishes were finally dried and put away, it's, it's like adults wait forever, like, oh, this isn't quite dry yet. No, you can't open presents. When it's finally dry, then we can move into the, the living room and sit around the tree that is decorated in bulbs and lights and tinsel and the packages underneath the tree, and it's finally time to pass them out. That, to me, this song is a quintessential song of Christmas. Now, Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a very old song. It's written by Charles Wesley in the early 1700s. And what he wrote way back then is very different than the words that we sing today. Uh, Back then, there was no copyright, and so anyone who, who felt like changing a song, they, go ahead, they would go ahead and do it. Uh, later in the 1700s, John and Charles Wesley produced a book called Sacred Hymns of the Church, and Sacred Songs of the Church, excuse me, Sacred Songs of the Church, and in the preface, John tells people, he says, these are our songs, please don't change them because you don't know what you're doing. Well, that's not really, he kind of says it like that. Because what, it, what he means is they wrote the songs the way they did because they, they wanted to say something theologically. Uh, that's, that, I'll give you that word for free, but it's a $20 word you can take home. Theology simply means the study of God. Theo, God. Ology, study of. So there you go. In other words, people who would change Charles's Hark the Herald Angels uh, sing, they didn't know what they're talking about. At least that was their opinion. But through time, that song has changed over and over again. The song that we sing today, uh, or the song that some people sing today, there are a couple versions, is three verses. And Charles's original, uh, three longer verses. Charles', Charles original had uh, six short stanzas. And they did not blend together the way they blend together today. The song that we're most familiar with was edited by George Whitfield. Um, sorry for the boring stuff. I got to get through it. So it was edited by George Whitfield in about 1786. And Charles Wesley, he first used a word, uh, welkin. By your reaction, I can tell you know exactly what that word means. Welkin. Welkin is an old English word. It is a real word. And it signifies the three levels of heaven or three levels of existence. There's the upper level where God is. There's the middle level where angels and spiritual things happen. And then there's where we are. Now you're going to take this home and use it, right? You're going to use the word welkin somewhere. You're going to hashtag welkin. No, see, actually, uh, George Whitfield had said that, that uh, 
when he edited that, he said, Charles, no one, is gonna, no one knows what the word welkin means. Let's change it to hark the herald angels sing. And that's how we got that. You guys don't care. All right. <laughs> My wife and I are gluten sensitive. We can't have gluten things. It's why after I serve a communion, I run out because I have to wash my hands. So we are gluten sensitive. But she has a few more allergies than I do. She's allergic to eggs. So we cannot have bread. Like the sliced bread, the white bread that you guys, maybe some of you eat, we can't, we can't have that. And there's very little bread out there that doesn't have uh, gluten and eggs. We did find one. It is a rice bread. It is made out of rice, a little bit of sugar, and some water, and that's it. And let me tell you, that baby is dense. <laughs> one slice of this rice bread, if you put it on a scale, it would take three or four slices of your white Wonder Bread to weigh the same. It is really dense, and it is half the size. So if Wonder Bread is this size, our bread is like this size. It's good, and it's heavy. Like, we have open-faced sandwiches, because if you did two, you'd be sick. Just one side. This song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is dense with meaning. It is dense with the message of Jesus. I, it is no exaggeration that Brandon and I went to seminary for four years to unpack what that one song does. I mean, each of you, if you know the song, you should be given a diploma because it is that heavy, it is that dense, it is that thick with meaning. Now, I'm gonna give you the scripture reference for the song. You ready? You got your pens ready? You got your, got your, your devices ready? It's Genesis 1 through the end of Revelation. Hark the Herald Angels Sing covers the whole arc of the story of the Bible. The whole arc of the story of God is covered in this song. And if you know this song, you're doing well. I had lunch with a, with a friend who's AD, ADD and ADHD. Can't imagine why he talked to me, right? So he, he, he said he wanted advice. He said, I cannot memorize scripture. My ADD makes it so that I cannot memorize scripture. And I can't either. And he said, he said, I feel like I'm a bad Christian because I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to quote scripture to them. And I told him two things. I said, first off, um, quoting scripture isn't going to do anything. They don't, if you live your life according to what the Bible says, that will say more than being able to quote it. All right? Secondly, this is, I didn't say this, but I wish I would have said this. Do you know the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Because if you know that song, you're actually good. If you could say that. All right, so we started this series last week. And last week, Brandon set the bar so high. He sang the verses to you. Okay, so Brandon does it a cappella. I can't, you know, I can't do a cappella. I have to have music. So I'm going to have a little accompaniment. You guys ready? I hope a recording of my voice was okay. 
No, that's, that, that's Jared Mason. Jared Mason was here with the uh, Christmas in Medora uh, show, what, three, four, five years ago. So that's, that's who that is. And I apologize, Jared, I did not ask for permission. So, so this song is broken into three verses, not the six that Charles had. And this first verse is the proclamation of the angels, not an angel named Harold, <laughs> but the angels heralding the proclamation that God is going to become flesh. Now, they did it to, they pronounced this to some shepherds in the fields. And then now we read it in the New Testament and it's proclaimed to us and to the entire world. This first verse sets the stage for Christmas. It is the anticipation of God himself, God becoming flesh. Now, you guys have heard this too many times it, because this is crazy. This is crazy talk. This is completely ridiculous that God, the creator of the universe, would come down and become flesh, be one of his created. But we've heard it so many times that this no longer has the pizzazz or the jump that it used to. But the angels proclaimed to these shepherds who would have never guessed in a hundred million years that God was going to come in the flesh. And he announced, and they announced to them that Jesus was going to be born. The king was going to become one of the created. As we move into the second verse of my wonderful recording, as we move into the second verse, we hear more about Jesus. All right, we're building to a crescendo here. The first verse was about the angels coming and announcing that God is be going to become flesh. This talks about how it's going to happen. Now, if you had never heard this before, this would be crazy talk. That God, would, that God would become flesh, that's crazy enough. But now, now, there, the second verse talks about Jesus coming, that God coming in, uh, through a virgin in Bethlehem, in a small town that nobody's ever heard of, and going to be born in a cave and laid in a trough that cattle eat out of. It just gets crazier and crazier. But, the, but so what? The current statistics say that 20% of any given city has never heard this story before. So let's say you're one of them. You've never heard this. Not just the song, but you've never heard about Jesus. And you were just told that God is, became... Uh, a person became a baby and did that through a virgin and is in a stable somewhere, a cave. So what? What does that have to do with me? What does that ha have to do with you? I mean, so far, it's a great story. But so what? Welcome to verse 3. So here's the so what. The so what is this? Each and every person in this room was born uh, without a relationship with God. And each of us in this room was born seeking some sort of love, acceptance, and purpose. From the time that we're born, we're seeking love. We're seeking that purpose. 
And God created us to be like this because originally we were in relationship with them, uh, with God. Adam and Eve were in relationship, but then there was a destruction. There was uh, a time when that was broken. And now we are born not in relationship with God. And God, even though we're chasing after something, uh, we don't know it's God until we come to that point. But the whole time that we are seeking love, acceptance, and purpose, God is chasing us. God is right next to us, calling out to us, calling our name, saying, I created you to be in relationship with me, to be in relationship with me, to fulfill that purpose, to fulfill that longing, to fill that loneliness that you feel. The so what of God becoming flesh and being born in a manger is this. Jesus lived his life, pointed us to the Father, and then he died. Again, you've heard this a thousand times. The jump is gone out of it. But I remind you that Jesus could have called down the greatest army you've ever seen. Like, I don't care what game you play, if you play Fortnite or, or if you, any army that you think that you know, God could call, Jesus could call down an army spectacular and he didn't have to die. He could have changed the course. But instead, the thing that God could have done, the thing that God had every right to do, Jesus allowed himself to be arrested, to be tried, and then killed. He allowed himself to be buried, and then the so what happens? And then he raises from the dead. He breaks the back of death. Now, as a believer, that means that I no longer need to fear death. I'm not afraid of death. That doesn't mean I want it. <laughs> I hope it's far away, but I don't have to fear it because death is simply a doorway that I walk through to eternity to be with him and to be with others who also have walked through that door with him. The things of this world that latch onto us and help us to become addicted to this or that, that draw our attention away from friends, family, from God. The so what is he gives us power, his power, over those things. To no longer be addicted, to no longer struggle with, to find purpose. We have purpose, we have love, we have forgiveness, and we have grace. Because the so what of Jesus coming in the manger is that God himself lives inside of us. We can say, I am yours and you are mine. On the night that, that Jesus was betrayed, he symbolized this coming. By sharing a Passover meal with his disciples. And that evening, he, took, he used a loaf of bread to symbolize his coming, his body, his death, and his resurrection. He took a loaf of bread 
And he held it up. And he said to his disciples, every time you gather together and break bread together, remember my body broken for you. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why he came. After breaking the bread, he took the cup and he held it up. And he said, every time you drink this wine, every time you drink this red liquid, remember my blood spilt for you for the forgiveness of your sins. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why God became a little baby in a manger. Now, in a moment, I'm going to pray and invite you up, but first, a few instructions. And the first is this. Uh, as we celebrate communion together, I invite you to come up the middle aisle and go out and take your time. During this time of grace and time of communion, this is your time. If you want to kneel up here at the altar, go ahead. If you want to sit in the front row, if you want to stand in the corner or lay down, I don't care how you do it, just take seriously. Yes, I had someone in one of my northern churches that would do that. Um, it's up to you. However you want to worship, go for it. Uh, second, uh, two other things I need to tell you. The first is, is this is not red wine. This is grape juice. Okay, so we use grape juice, not wine. It just tastes better. And uh, lastly, this table is not Legacy's table. It is not United Methodist table. It is the Lord's table. And all are welcome here. I don't need to see a card. I don't need the secret handshake. Not that there is one. I, everyone is welcome here. And the last thing is there is gluten-free here for those who wish it and need it. Is that everything? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, for your presence. And as we remember you becoming flesh and dwelling among us, what that means for us. May we be filled with your grace, your forgiveness and love. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you.